welcome. You're here at The Journey. My name is Jill, and today is Monday, May 23rd, 2016, and we are coming off a weekend. I hope you had a nice weekend. We are having beautiful weather. I am infinitely happy, except for the wind at the end of the day, but it's so nice to have a higher degree of freedom. Booyah. So, I don't know how you were this weekend, but it is Monday. It's a new beginning, and we are digging in our heels and starting it all over again. So before we launch into the infamous question of the day, we are going to do the basics. You can find this podcast and more at survivalroad.net. It's actually, the podcast is listed under Road Stop, and I post it on the day following. So the Monday, I record the podcast on Monday, but it comes up online um, it actually comes up online 6 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time in the U.S. because I want it to be available first thing in the morning for anybody who chooses to do this 24-hour check-in process. I want to have everything available at the same time every single day. And when you live in a 24-hour world around a the globe, there is no exact moment where we all have the same time every single day. So I like to do stuff in the morning, which I personally think that that is when we are That is our best time to focus before the day begins, but everybody's got a different schedule, different priorities, so that is my intention with that. But it always posts right, usually the same day I do it by noon-ish, over at soundcloud.com, under the journey with Jill, iTunes, Stitcher, if you want to just have it automatically download to your, uh, however you listen to it. And I suppose I should start saying this is that, you know, if you want to be helpful, I would be infinitely appreciative for any reviews you would list on, especially iTunes. I know Stitcher, I don't get very many people listening. Most people I get, if they're going to do the download, it comes through iTunes. But I have, I think I have zero reviews on iTunes because I am horrible about asking for help. So here I am asking for help. And so if, that is the the house cleaning part of the day. The next version that we usually begin with is a question. And as usual, I'm getting more and more all over the place with my questions. And this one is, I will pose it to you as a singular question, but it is an infinitely humongous subject. Uh, taking us off the back about what we talked about last time when I asked you, are you part of the 50, 30, or 15%? Who are you? The question for today is, drum roll, I have that sound effect, I should add it, maybe next time. Who are you? How many intentional decisions do you make during the day? Or we can call that, how many choices do you purposefully make over the course of your 24-hour day? And the reason I'm asking that kind of bizarre question that's not really very helpful in its answering format, it is helpful when it stimulates you to observe yourself. How do you make decisions? When do you make decisions? How do you make your choices? And the reality is, is every single moment of every single day is a decision. The difference is how many of them are you making intentionally? Are they serving you? And are you looking at them So that as you make that decision, is it supporting the life that you want? And I, you know, I, uh, what should I say here? So, you know, all the, you know, we make decisions all the time. Should I eat this? Should I eat that? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I go left? Should I go right? And a lot of that stuff we don't really invest much into. But I was reading this really terrifying article this morning 
on a type of drug. I think it's called Insane. It's a legal high in the UK. And it was talking about Newcastle, Britain, how they have uh, an incredibly high rate of users and that the whole area has become very zombie-like. And it's described, it's a synthetic drug that is related to the idea of cannabis, but it acts more like heroin. And the addiction rate is almost immediate. The complication rate of seizures, death, um, and just getting hooked so quickly is off the roof. And so, or off the charts, I should say. And it's, you know, the fear is, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Because no matter how addicted people are, even when they dry out, they still go back to it or they get converted into crack or heroin users. And I was thinking about that because a lot of it is between the 13 to 24 year olds. And you don't have very good decision making skills when you're really young. And, you know, I always say it's a miracle any of us grow up to be adults, but how specific decisions at a very young age have lifetime consequences in the same way that over the course of our life, even not making a decision has huge impact into how our life is lived. Do I go left or do I go right? Did I get on the plane or do I pay attention to my intuition and not get on the plane? And you know, little tiny decisions that seem so inconsequential yet can have huge impact You can't control which decisions you don't know about yet that are going to be the most important. But what you can focus or think about is how you make decisions and being aware of the fact that you're making decisions. And, you know, I'm not going to give you a huge long list of things to do because the reality is none of us sit around and tick off 10, you know, steps to critical thinking when we make a decision. But we can take a beat and pay attention to how we feel. And I don't know about you, but every time I do something that my gut told me not to do, I'm like, why didn't I just pay attention to that? (laughs) Because 99 times out of 10, that gut decision that says don't do that or go for it, it doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. And so when I talk about this whole idea of decision making, I'm not talking about rational, practical, you know, <clears throat> pro-con list decisions. I'm talking about a very fluid process of, you know, bringing past experience, being willing to take risk, uh, being observant about what's actually happening, um, not limiting yourself to fixed beliefs so that you are afraid to make decisions that don't that don't fall into your comfort zone. And and also, you know, paying attention to how you feel. And everybody has intuitive capabilities. Some people are more sensitive to it, but it actually, it takes practice because the world around us says, don't, don't pay attention to how you feel, base it on the facts. And there's a, you know, a strong, but depending too how left brain, right brain you are, you know, only believe what you perceive. And the grand irony, of course, is that the five sensory perceptions is the past. We're only seeing after the fact. So, you know, true fluid decision making has to involve more than just what our five senses bring to us. And, you know, one of the really important components of that is this whole idea of thinking itself. So we're going to take a short break here and we're going to be right back.
You know, and recently I asked you about how do you spend your 24-hour day, and, you know, everything about that is how do you make decisions? What do you decide to eat? How do you make decisions about what you're going to eat, when you're going to sleep, how long you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear, how are you going to spend your time? And so, you know, we're in a constant decision mode, and I don't, you know, want to bring this up to just make your head explode, but the reason I just felt like it was so important to talk about was how critical as the future is descending upon us so quickly here that we understand why we're making decisions and do we want to examine it because the critical decision period I think is coming to a head and you know and I say that for a couple reasons but you know one was I just watched this really creepy series. It was called Humans. It's a British-based series off of, I think it was off Amazon, and it's based on a Swedish series, and it explores the idea of android synthetic human life that looks like humans, android artificial intelligence, and the singularity where there's a tiny group of, of five or six that are have consciousness that they figure out the their creator figured out how to put consciousness into AI and so there's you know hundreds of millions of these very human looking androids out in the world performing all kinds of functions and it brought up so many questions and I have to give the series creator um, and developer credit because it was all the kind of stuff that you know you should think about but until they show it to you, you're like, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. And like everything, it's a double-edged sword. There's super positive things about it. There are some questionable things, and there are some really scary things. And and it isn't even about when AI becomes intelligent. It, it's almost worse when it wasn't intelligent because, you know, you're the you're looking at something that looks like a human. You're treating it inhumanely you know there were sexual issues there was you know a game where the you know like instead of fight club it was beat up the android club and uh just the it was really interesting because you're looking at something that looks human you're having a temperament towards it which is very inhumane and does that cross over? And, you know, one of the other things I thought was so interesting is what do you do with yourself all day? If something is taking care of all of your basic decision making, you know, around what am I going to eat and it does that for you? What am I going to clean and it does that for you? And, you know, one of the young characters, you know, that, well, do you want, she was 17, do you want to be a doctor? And she goes, why should I go to medical school when, you know, soon, you know, it'll take me 20 years to be good at a synthetic will be able to do nine seconds will be a, you know, perfect surgeon. And, and, you know, the, the question about what value does humanity have in the world if there's no jobs? And so it's, you know, these are big questions that feel like they're not relevant or pertinent, but so much of that kind of thing gets decided for us because we don't choose to think about it and how, you know, in our days of being so busy and overwhelmed and so tired, you know, we don't want to think, we just want to shut down and be entertained that, you know, it's a fine line between being conditioned into a decision-making process versus the ability to step back and actually think about it and how critical thinking is 
is essential to good decision making because if you're always reactive, if you're always spontaneous, if you don't know how to look at more than one thing, how much trouble you'll be in and how, you know, how intelligent critical thinking, it's not that it just doesn't happen. It's statistically not everybody's capable of it. I think that was one of the really hard things for me to get until I, you know, started doing social work. And then until I had the thyroid blowout where I couldn't, my brain was so foggy, I couldn't think and I really couldn't think and I didn't get upset when I made mistakes because I couldn't remember I made mistakes. And I just remember, I remember yelling at the doctor, you don't understand, I think all the time. And it was like my mind was totally blank. And it was scary because I had something to compare it to. But it was also easier because I didn't compare it to anything. I just sat there and moved one foot in front of the other and how I didn't miss it because I didn't even, I wasn't able to do it, but I knew something was wrong because I knew this wasn't how I am. I know I think a lot. So, you know, when I talk about this, it isn't that everyone's not going to do it. And so, you know, one of the ways you know, we lead by example, isn't to tell other people what to do, but is to make the decisions, lead that life. And then other people can observe your consequences as a way to help them make decisions. And that gets back to what we were talking about last time is that if you have, you know, a 15% of the population that's willing to risk and explore and be different, you know, think about things in ways that other people don't think about things, that life creates some level of story that other people can observe. And then they say, well, I, I like that part. I think, you know, the tiny house movement was part of that. You know, it started off with one person said, I'm going to build a tiny house. And now it's grown into a whole movement. But a lot of the people buying the houses never thought about it and they never would know to think about it. It would never pop into their head as something they wanted to invest in until they saw the whole story. So I think, you know, to me, that's a really interesting perspective in terms of of how we can live our life. It's not about talking about it. It's not about telling people what they should choose or decide, but understanding our decisions create a path through our own story that shows other people consequences of what they do want and what they don't want. So I'm going to take one more, another quick break and be right back. So we are talking about this idea about are you intentionally or purposefully making decisions over the course of your day? And of course, you know, you can't be on this 24-7. But the other reason I wanted to bring this up was that this there's an, the idea that, you know, I've been thinking, as you know, about, uh, you know, the day in and the day out. What can you do in 24 hours? Uh, what kind of decisions are you making in that 24-hour period? And all the things that we don't really do or we don't think about, but every single one of those little tiny decisions is cumulative 
over who we become. And that's sort of the great tragedy, you know, of your 20s and 30s is that you're building a foundation for the rest of your life, but you don't care because you're not really thinking about it. And then you reap the benefits, quote unquote, of your choices when you were younger. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's not so good. And we see that in our health. We see that in our relationships. We see that in our job choices and how, you know, by not paying more attention to making a decision in the beginning, you know, before it becomes a a life path, you know, sort of a critical moment that, you know, part of this process is really being very practical about the tiny decisions. Because, you know, I don't think this is a discussion for the big stuff. You know, should I get married? Should I change jobs? Should I move? Because that kind of stuff, well, not everybody. I've done impulse and things. But, you know, that kind of stuff is sort of a given. But this, the, the importance of this conversation is really around all the 80 million tiny decisions that we make that create and, and, build our, our body, our health, our thinking process, our relationships, our life, our work skills, how we spend our time. And I made a list yesterday of I'm still trying to figure out what to do with the video. So of course, I'm not doing anything. But I, you know, it's like I have this idea, and I don't know how to translate it on to video. And part of that is this whole discussion around decisions. And, you know, one of the, the things that's a takeaway for me is, that it's these tiny decisions that are so critical, but they're super boring and they're not visual or visually interesting. And how we don't like to think about the boring stuff. We don't like to, you know, when I talk about just take three deep breaths, I mean, there's nothing more important than oxygen. And the the valuable part is actually ex- exhale. The Getting the old stuff out is actually way more important than getting the oxygen in. But it's boring and it's repetitive. And it's not something that we think about and we don't want to make that decision. We don't want to think, okay, I need to specifically carve out minimum once in 24 hours, preferably be more often, you know, a practice of actually doing several deep breaths, getting the old stuff out, getting the new stuff in. And, you know, how terribly unexciting that is. So, I, you know, I made a list of things that technically we really should have in our life every single day. And, you know, my criteria was, are they free? Are they within our control? And, you know, are they doable? Do we have to buy stuff or have help? And so I came up with a list of about 25 things. And I thought that's a lot to try to focus on doing, you know, that many things every day. And yet, you know, when you look at them, most of them you're kind of doing, like you are breathing. Are you breathing very well? You're probably drinking some water, but are you drinking enough water? You know, we're probably moving a little bit, but are we working up a sweat every day? No. (laughs) That's my next goal, to actually increase exercise to where I am discharging my detoxing through my skin through sweating. So it's, you know, there's a but all of that is is hard because it is a decision. I have to decide to walk for a mile or I can just sit here and, do, you know, listen to something or drink a coffee or whatever. And, and you know, so this morning, just as a, you know, by way of example, I decided to try to decide. See, I made the decision to put myself back on more of a working schedule because, you know, one of the things that happens 
for someone like me who doesn't have a Monday through Friday lifestyle and I don't have other people that are dependent on me, things get confused and I'm so trapped by the elements. And so, you know, now that it's warm enough where I can be outside more and I can have, you know, we've sort of transitioned out of the the winter, I can have more control over my day. And so I thought, I'm going to make myself do all that stuff I never feel like doing. And, you know, a lot of times I don't feel like eating breakfast. Well, then I get hungry and I go crazy because I'm too hungry. I can't feed myself and I don't change clothes and I don't brush my hair. And then I'm like, I don't want to do the video. I look like crap. You know, I wear the same clothes every day. And I, you know, I do all these things because I get lazy because I don't have any accountability to the outside world because it's just me. What do I care? What do I look like? What do I care if I smell bad? You know, and not to overshare, but to make the point that it's hard to, to make certain decisions because they're tedious, they're boring, and they're ineffective if it's not something that we do consistently. But the flip side is, is it's all those tiny decisions that when done consistently, that will build us the life that we actually really want. So we're going to take another break and we're going to be right back. So we're talking again about making intentional and purposeful decisions. And, you know, the second or the third, I guess, the third piece of that is, you know, are we a victim of other people's decisions? And that becomes, you know, a whole different conversation. You know, when you're in a child and you're in a family, you are, you know, at the mercy of your parental decisions. But, as parents, if we don't teach children how to make decisions and, and what consequences are, then they're not really equipped to go out in the world. And and so, you know, that's, at, you know, at the tiny level, you know, romantic partners are, once you're married and you're legally liable for the other person, that you have consequences to the other person's decisions and you can't control all their decisions. And then we have it at the, you know, the job level and the community level, the government level, and now we're having this whole global level. And I was listening to more about Venezuela this morning because, you know, there's nothing like freaking yourself out, but how that entire country is living with the consequences of decisions made that were out of their hands. But part of that happens is because, and that's sort of the split that's happening, you know, between freedom and and having somebody take care of you, you know, comfort and safety versus freedom, is part of comfort and safety is not wanting to make decisions. Giving responsibility for your decisions to somebody else. You know, it's not my job to keep myself safe. It's not my job to run the country. It's not my job to think about utilities. It's not not my job, but it's not my responsibility. It's I don't want to think about that. I just want to go live my life. I want to be free. I want to go do all these things. And and that was sort of the other, you know, point I was hitting home with myself this weekend is that freedom in and of itself is completely dependent on these ideas of discipline and responsibility and accountability because real freedom is all about accepting the consequences of 
your decisions regardless of what they are, whether they have a good outcome or a bad outcome, whether you make money or lose money. Freedom is the consequences of your decisions. And socialism and communism and all those isms are basically saying, I don't want certain consequences, so I'm willing to give up responsibility and decision-making. And how easy that is. And that was sort of the you know point that was hit home by uh, these scary, creepy, synthetic intelligence was <laughs> how many things it was so easy to give away. And, you know, I make that statement all the time, how different my life would be if I had a wife, if I didn't have to do every single thing. What would my life look like if all I had to do was was to think and I didn't have to figure out, you know, how to cook food and where to get food and how to make money and all this other stuff. And so we are it's we are it's so easy to give away our decisions. You know, part of the whole issue with addiction is the decision that I don't want to feel what I'm feeling or I want to feel good. The decision creates a lifetime often of consequence, but it all happens in one super tiny moment. And, you know, not everybody who uses a substance is going to become an addict, but that's a consequence of the decision and how it is, you know, it's decisions, responsibility, consequences, they're all wrapped up in whether you really want freedom or you don't want freedom. And and most of us, you know, we want it both ways. I don't want to have to deal with the negative consequences, but I want to be perfectly free. You know, I don't want to have any rules, but I don't want to live in a world that's so chaotic that I no longer have freedom because I'm just so busy trying to survive the chaos. And you know, and so there isn't, there's no simplicity to this. There's not a definitive, this is what you should do. And I'm not bringing that up. I'm bringing it up because, wow, the world is going crazy right now, as we know. But it's the decisions that we're going to personally make that are going to decide the future for us. And I don't think, you know, we as individuals can make enough decisions to change the course of what's happening, but we have all the power in the world to make the decisions that can change the outcome that we will experience for ourselves within what's going to be happening in the future here. So we're going to take one last break, then we're going to wrap this baby up. So let's just talk about the future here for just a moment. Like I said, the show was so interesting, you know, and I was watching at the same time I've been watching um, this series. I, I mentioned it the other day called Strike Back. I know it's, I'm actually having issues and I'm spending too much time distracting myself with entertainment. But but the Strike Back series is like the ultimate thrill action series with these two guys who uh, travel the world, mostly third world areas where they're you know, involved in these high stakes, special forces mission things. Of course, everybody dies but them. But, but, you know, one of the interesting things about the military that is attractive to some people and unbearable 
for other people is that when you're in the military, you don't have to make any decisions. All your decisions are made for you. You know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to do, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, how you're going to spend your day. Um, it's a, it's sort of like extended, I don't want to say extended family, extended childhood in some ways, because the, the whole role of a military operation is to not have you participate in the decision-making process because a good soldier doesn't ask questions. And how you know, we have this fascination with military, but it actually is the total opposite. And I, you know, I think what's happening, at least in America, is the military starting to wake up going, uh, this isn't working for us. We're getting screwed. You know, we're, getting, we're doing things we don't want to do. We're not getting taken care of when we come home. And so... Part of that is consequences of decisions because we weren't or you weren't or I weren't, I wasn't, I guess is the correct term, wasn't paying attention. And, you know, student loans, not paying attention, just assuming that somebody else has put in a series of consequences that we can live with and how... You know, what's hap- what's going to be coming up in the future is, you know, we see this division, right, between people who want more freedom, people who want more comfort and safety. And the decision for freedom, I think, in our future is going to equal a lot of discomfort and absolutely no certainty of your safety. And so knowing that, because I'm assuming if you don't want more freedom, you are not listening to this podcast, but if, if you want more freedom and you want to do what it takes to track that path as this world goes through its metamorphosis here, what are the decisions you can be making now that will affect how that works out for you? And, you know, when you're selling stuff, people are telling you you need more guns, you need more food, you need more stuff. Basically, you need to go buy your way into safety and certainty and survivability. And all you have to go do is go down to Venezuela and take a look, saying that a lot of the things that that are necessary to surviving and building the kind of life you want in the future aren't things that you can buy. And how, you know, if there's no food, there's no food. You can't manifest the food. You can't buy the food if there's no food. And you can't shoot people and steal their food if there's no food. And so, you know, this, the, the, the decisions around that is, are you going to be comfortable with being hungry and having, you know, trotted that path a little here, a little now uh, in the last few years? It's really hard. I don't function when I'm not hungry. But at the same time, I absolutely know it's impossible to store enough food for everybody in all time. And I still think if things are really bad, you have to be fairly mobile. But But that, you know, brings us to the decision about how physically fit you are. Do you have a good pair of shoes that are broken in? Do you know basic health techniques? Do you have good posture so your body's not going to give out, so your back isn't going to hurt, your knees aren't going to give out? You know, all, and it brings me back to this list I made of a million things, how, or 25, not a million, how much we can build a future based on super tiny, simple decisions that if we were to do them every day, that we would create 
the foundation that would allow us to get through whatever. And and that doesn't mean, you know, we all have our own personal journey. We all have our own things that we're learning about. And so there's no way to avoid every discomfort known to man just so that you can stay safe and comfortable and have all the freedom that you want. I mean, I still, as you know, my whole thing is that we're here to learn and grow and be more. And the more experiences we have, the better we'll be. But but that doesn't change, you know, the basic facts that that we're still a human being. We still need shelter. We still need food. We need water. We need clean air. We need community. We need basic health. We need to be mobile. We need certain skill sets. We need to have mental discipline. We need to have emotional discipline. We have, you know, it's helpful if you understand how the universe actually operates so that you understand why what's happening to you is happening to you. And you know, 90% of what we need to, to, to be the person that can survive anything is free and totally within our control just because if we make specific decisions every day, we'll build that, but how it will never happen in just a moment. And I was thinking about that in the context of greatness. You know, that greatness isn't the exceptional moment it's every tiny decision you made along the way that allowed you to become who you were so that you could be who you were in that critical moment, but that the actual greatness itself is built on the back of thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny decisions. You know, that's the athlete. They may win the gold medal, but that doesn't show the thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions to do the exercise, to eat a specific way, to sleep you know, a certain amount of time, every tiny decision that built who that person was. So that is my pitch today for you on this whole idea of decision. So when I ask you the question, are how many decisions are you making today that are purposeful and intentional? You can fold that into how are you spending your 24-hour day and and looking at it honestly and saying, are you making the kinds of decisions that are building and creating and making you the person you want to be, which is really that question I keep asking you, you know, it's who you are, not what you do. But the decision about who you want to be must be married to the actions that you take based on the decisions that you make. Do you want to walk today? Do you want to breathe today? Do you want to smile today? Do you want to let go of your anger today? Do you want to be judgmental today? Do you want to be fearful today? 80 billion decisions every moment of every day. So I don't say that to make your head explode, even though thinking about it makes my head explode. And then back it up one day at a time, one new thing at a time, one idea at a time. But you know, your power lies in your ability to think, you know, change comes when you're willing to put actions to those ideas, it still starts at the idea level, it still starts at the value, the thinking level. But if it stops there, if you just read the headlines, and you don't actually make any actual change, or behavior, then, you know, it, it's not very helpful. So that is our pitch. So again, you can always find this at survivalroad.net. We will be back on Wednesday. And as always, thank you for hearing my heart roar.